May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Please be seated. Do not be afraid, little flock. It is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God's kingdom is given to you. The gift is already there. We just need to see it. How do we find this treasure, the kingdom of God? I believe that we will see the kingdom of God when we are attentive to truth and right relationships. Often, though, we will find what we are treasuring when we examine the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. For example, one day I got very, very angry with my son. He was about 12 and my rage broke against him. He, I told him all the ways he was in error, all the ways he was wrong, and I was so frustrated that I was mean. Of course, then, I convinced myself that my son deserved my unkindness. When I was done yelling, I walked away and I told myself a tale. I told myself a story about how very right I was and how wrong he was. I practiced my account and this story got even better in my imagination. My heart was in it. I treasured my version of what happened. My son was a ratch. I told myself a story about what I had done. We all do that. Often the chatter in our head is our storytelling brain working to make sense of the world. Most of the time, we don't even notice we're doing it. But because a tiny part of myself knew I had been unkind, this time I could catch myself. I watched myself building this story, making sense of what just had happened, and I could watch myself getting attached to get treasuring my story. And then, because I was a little bit nervous about this story, I wanted someone else to tell me I was right. I wanted someone else to see that obviously I was right and my son was terribly wrong. So I called my dad. I told my dad my version of what happened, the story about how I was right and my son was behaving badly and in error. My dad heard me out and then he disturbed and disrupted my tale. My dad told me I was wrong. I was terribly wrong and my son was right. The truth came like a thief in the night. Truth stole away all my careful justifications. My father then did go on and explain all the ways that my son was right. My dad was firm with me, but he didn't have to tell me that my story 
My story was all excuses and justifications, rationalizations for my own unkindness. I was so embarrassed. It was mortified. And I felt a little threatened. In the deepest, darkest, most secret part of my heart, I admit my first thought was how I might hide my shame. For example, I could have called someone else. There are people in my life who will agree with me about everything. I could have called someone who would tell me about the annoying things their 12-year-old son had done that day, and we would have agreed that it is difficult to be a mother, and we might agree that sometimes our unkindness teaches those boys essential lessons. I could have done that in the dark part of my heart. I really, really wanted to. But we reach the kingdom of God when we are watchful like servants. We approach the kingdom of God when we attend to the needs of faith immediately. The time to tell the truth is now. The time to repent of misdeeds is now. So the time to apologize to my son had come. I found my son in a corner, still hurting from my tongue lashing, and I told him I was sorry. I told him he was right and I was wrong. I told him what his grandfather had explained to me, and I showed my son how ashamed I was of my behavior. And then my son let me embrace and comfort him and he held and comforted me. And I was so thankful that he could forgive me that I can still feel the relief today. Today. We have a reading that sounds a little threatening. The metaphors are of thieves and slaves. Remember, a metaphor is something like something else. We use metaphors to learn something useful. For example, God is like a thief. God can get into any house or safe place. God is everywhere. And just when you thought you were safe from God, God can just show up. But God is not actually a thief. We have these disturbing images of slaves and thieves to urge us to repent immediately. These alarming images invite us to watch what we are actually treasuring. We can usually find our treasures in the stories we tell to ourselves about ourselves. For example, I was treasuring my own rightness in my story. I was treasuring my rightness more than a good relationship with my son. I was so tempted, so tempted to hide my shame and let my hiding that shame be more important than turn, returning to right relationship. Can you imagine how much harder it would have been to change my story the next week? the next month, the next year. 
Can you imagine if I had hoarded my first version of the story like a dragon sitting on a pile of gold? Look at how rich I am in all my justifications and excuses. We need to be vigilant in the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. The example I've just given about getting angry with a child, it's easy to spot. Something happened and quick like lightning, my mind made up a story. The example I I give is easy to spot because we all know somebody who is mean to others and thinks they can be unkind. After all, they are correct and the other person is wrong. But this is not the only place our brains tell us the story we want to hear. Jesus knows that one place that humans are tempted away from truth is in the stories we tell about our possessions. Money, wealth, stuff. What are the stories we tell ourselves about money? Our money stories are slower growing, and so they're harder to spot. Research into what we think about money suggests that our beliefs and tales about money often go back generations. So here is a faith challenge for you in the upcoming weeks. What stories do you tell yourself about your own money, wealth, or possessions? How do you talk about money in your own head? In this community, I imagine that this is a complicated story. Some of us have life accounts that include a time when everything was taken away. Some among us have a story about a time when they were hungry and there was nothing. How are these experiences impacting the stories you tell about money now? Because this passage is not actually about money or possessions. This is a story about vigilance. As a spiritual practice, we need to stay alert to the stories we tell about our possessions. Because we are all telling ourselves stories about why we buy something or why we keep something. More than that, we all walk around the world and notice that some people have more money and some people have less money. What are the stories we tell to explain to ourselves why some people have so much? And what story do we tell when we see someone who has so little? For example, especially in the United States, there is a story that you can be a self-made millionaire. The tale is that to be successful, you just need to work hard. If any person wants more, they should just work harder. Research shows another truth. Studies say that most people with money had money to start. Research shows cycles of disadvantage that grow over time no matter how hard an individual might work. Research shows societies need some redistribution of wealth for the flourishing of all people and culture. I know 
When I look out over my life, I can point to places where I have been invited to share my money or possessions, and I have turned away. I was selfish, or I was unkind, and I was, and am, so very tempted to hide my shame in stories of excuses or justifications. When God comes like a thief in the night, what stories about money and possessions do we want to be treasuring? It takes vigilance to catch our storytelling brain. One of the places we do need to be most careful is about how we treasure the stories we tell about ourselves to ourselves. We reach the kingdom of God when we are like watchful servants. We approach the kingdom of God when we attend to the needs of faith immediately. The time to tell the truth is now. But do not be afraid, little flock, for the kingdom of God is yours.